how can you have your birds looking and performing their best after a molt? Well, coming up in this episode of the Poultry Keepers Podcast, we'll share what you can do to have your birds in tip-top shape after they molt. This episode is a portion of the Poultry Keepers 360 live stream on after the molt care best practices. To reduce the overall runtime of this episode, the question and answer portion of that live stream isn't included here. So if you want to see the entire live stream, it's archived on the Poultry Keepers 360 YouTube channel under the live tab. Now here's Jeff Maddox, Karen Jostin, and myself. To me, there's not just the nutritional side, but also the management side to helping our birds overcome this. And I'm going to stress management pretty much from a feathering standpoint, because I know we have a lot of folks who show their birds and show seeing is rapidly coming up on us. Let's talk about for a minute to avoid feather picking. You want to make sure your birds have plenty of room, more space than you would normally give them, I think. So. Plenty of room. And remember when feathers are just starting to come in, you got a lot of pin feathers and that can be very appealing to other birds to peck at. So you might find it helpful to offer some sort of an enrichment item, a, a peck block or some sort of toys. I know some folks uh, have used uh, just a plastic water bottle, uh, drilled a couple of holes in it and put a little wheat or a little scratch feed in there and throw it in there and, and let the birds peck and roll it around and it dispenses a few grains of, of something for them to eat. So that keeps them occupied for a while. Another thing you can do is to offer extra perches, not just in the coop portion itself, but out in the run, because when these birds get to aggravating each other, they appreciate a place where they can go and get out of the way and out of the flow of traffic and I, I guess they take sort of an out of sight, out of mind kind of situation, which I don't blame them for that at all. <clears throat> we also want to keep in mind that some colors can bleach from sunlight or even change. Uh, buff is one that is bad about bleaching and, and you get this model look to the plumage and blue will sometimes maybe not get the model look, but some of the feathers will get a red cast to the feathers, which is very undesirable. So you want to make sure that your birds have plenty of shade to prevent that from happening. I also remember one time somebody was talking to me about their birds getting wet and, and, uh, actually I'm a fan of, of birds getting wet when they're regrowing their feathers, because it seems to improve and help the feather quality. I know several breeders who, uh, one that breeds black Sumatras and black uh, menorcas, and he goes out there every few days, every three days, every four days, something like that with the water hose, and he's got his males in individual coops, and when they're molding, they just go out there with a the little spray nozzle on his garden hose and, and wet them down, and boy, they, they come out shining bright. It, it's incredible. So don't be afraid of them getting wet or getting them wet. And this one should go without saying, because you want to make sure your pens are clean particularly if you raise white birds of any kind, because sometimes when feathers get stained, when they're just growing back in, it's just almost impossible to clean those stains out and, and get them back to a nice bright white. So 
when they start molting and after they molt those feathers, give your pens a good cleaning, replace the bedding if you need to, but get the old feathers and the manure and the spill feed and all that stuff out of there so you don't have stained feathers. And up that, you know, just use good management practices, the feed that's suitable for them, fresh water, plenty of space, good air movement, uh, adequate lighting, not too much because you don't want to start feather picking, but uh, just the good basics of poultry husbandry. So that's kind of going to uh, wrap it up for me. So, Jeff, I'm going to turn it over to you, and we're going to let you take over with the nutritional support of that. So, Rick, you brought up a really good point about keeping the pens clean. So I want to ask you, you witnessed this over your years of experience. <clears throat> Something I see you know, working with commercial birds, larger flocks. Have you ever noticed that ammonia smell in the chicken? Oh, yes. It will change how those birds feather. So, I mean, what I see in large groups of birds, if I walk in a layer house or a broiler house or whatever, the condition is much poorer when in the houses where, you know, I, I can smell the ammonia in the air. I just, have you seen the same thing? I mean, yeah, I have, so, uh, and, and people don't really realize we're five, six feet tall. Well, those birds are only 12 to 18 inches tall. And, and if we can smell the ammonia at our level, those birds are really suffering down at their level. Yeah. And actually a lot of folks don't, don't realize this, but it's, we've known this for a long time. <clears throat> the human nose can't detect ammonia to until it reaches about 25 parts per million and poultry respiratory tracts are actually getting scarred at as low as 10 parts per million. Wow. So by the time we sell it, it's two and a half times, you know, where damage is starting to occur. Right. So whether it's eye burn, can you, can you see eye burn when you're judging? I, I don't, recall ever having seen that I, I was trying to think mm -hmm. I, I thought was that and it may be something i thought was something else was actually was okay. yeah just a kind of a cloudy haze over the cornea so it's okay i have seen that and thought it was something else and so yeah well i mean there's other things that cause it but one of the common causes of eyebrow you know or not having that high gloss appearance to the eye which I, I, you judge the eye, right? That's part of yes. judging. Mm -hmm. So, but yeah, cloudy eye, but yeah, you know, when you talked about keeping the pens clean, it prompted me to remember, you know, my experiences with ammonia. So, you know, folks, you just need to be really careful uh, to make sure that air is as fresh as possible. You know, Rip talked about relieving stress, like a peck block or something, you know, he left out, you know, if you get a hay bag like you would feed a horse or you design something, you know, putting a flake of hay in there suspended. So they just have to stretch for it a little bit, gives them something to peck on besides each other. Right. And you know, they love playing with it. It's, it's a really good tool. So, and they're actually going to benefit from it if it's good quality hay. So just something else to add to that list. Jeff, I've also found a head of cabbage suspended upside down from just where they have to kind of jump up just a little bit to get at it. <clears throat> yeah. I'll keep them occupied as well. 
Well, it'll keep you occupied as well. Just bring a chair and, you know, something to drink. Something to drink and just sit there and watch it. Because that's hilarious to watch any creature bob for cabbage. So yeah, you want to have it just high enough that they kind of have to fly up of two, three inches and peck at it. And yeah, that, that is, you know, so the way we do it, Rip, is we bore a hole right down through the core, you know, so it's upside mm -hmm. down. We bore all the way through and push the string through, you know, and then just put a stick or something on the other side so it doesn't fall off. And, you know, the longer the rope, the more it dangles. And once it gets moving, it's hilarious to watch them, you know, chase that thing around. So, hey, I'm going to remember that. That's good redneck entertainment. I don't care what I, you say. So, you bet yeah, you. Yeah. So that's, that's worth it. That's worth the price of admission. All right. So, you know, we're here to talk about coming out of the mold. And, you know, like two weeks ago, I prepared, look, this, this isn't a ration that you need to run to your feed store with. Okay. But it, it's. You know, I want you to, it's more important to worry about the nutrient levels that we're going to talk about. The post-mole rack, right? So everybody focuses on the protein, which is fine, but it's not the key component, right? That's not what I want to focus on. So yes, it should be around an 18% protein, but more important are the amino acids when we go down through there. Every good poultry diet, there's going to be at least 5% fat. Okay, somewhere between five and seven percent. The term is used fat. It's it's vegetable oils. It's some type of oil. <clears throat> whether you're adding cooking oil, whether your feed mill's adding cooking oil or something, but you want to get between five and seven percent fat. This is important to the bird. Uh, it helps the liver function correctly. Depositing cholesterol, all that ties together with a good, healthy bird. So. Most commercial feeds, if you look at the tag, they're only guaranteeing a minimum fat, usually around 3%. If you all need to be tag readers. So when you go to the store, read the tag, okay? It's worth your time and effort. You want to look at the ingredients. I know they write them in gibberish that make it pretty much impossible to know what's in there. You're welcome to take a picture, send it to me. You know, I'll break it down, tell you what I think is in there. There's not a lot of choices out there as far as commercial feeds go, but you know, I'll happily tell you what I see reading between the lines of ingredients. So fiber, you want the fiber between five and 7%. Okay. The fiber is going to help regulate the digestive tract, just like it does for us or any other creature. Fiber is important and we want that fiber in there. Just keeps the digestive tract moving smoothly, efficient. It scrapes the gut wall. They get more nutrients out of it. Now, calcium level coming out of the molt is going to be dependent on, are you going to go right back into laying or are you going to be doing some type of a holding diet till the next breeding season? So what I put up here is a 1.2 calcium. You want above 1%. And this is more like a grower developer type feed. You don't need a high level of calcium at this point, unless you're going to stimulate them to lay eggs and get right back to business. Then you want that calcium level to be three and a half, give or take a quarter point, 3.25 to 3.75. Okay. Phosphorus levels, <clears throat> you know, I like a little bit extra phosphorus. I, I run at 0.75. That's a little on the higher side, but that phosphorus is important for bone mass. It's important actually for eggshell. So that relationship 
calcium and phosphorus is, is key. Because if you don't have enough phosphorus, you can still have a poor eggshell. The other thing is phosphorus in almost every living creature is essential for proper reproductive performance. Okay. So, you know, look at that phosphorus level, <clears throat> look for something a little bit higher. Sodium levels between 0.18, this one's 0.17, it's still fine, but between 0.18, 0.21, you're not going to see energy on the tag. So I shouldn't have included it. Just, you know, skip over that. Vitamin A. Look, I'm running at 8,000 international units per pound. Most off-the-shelf feeds are only feeding between three and 4,000. There's a few really good ones out there at five, but they're hard to find. They're not available for everybody. So start thinking about <clears throat> how you want to supply some of these extra vitamins. Hopefully not in a salt form, but looking at you want to be above 6,000 on your vitamin A, right? Again, vitamin A critical for reproduction performance. You know, how many eggs you're going to lay, but how strong is the chick coming out the other side? A is going to tie right into chick vigor. So you want to make sure that you got the vitamin A there. Your tag's not going to have vitamin D on it. Generally, when you buy vitamin A, you're going to buy something that has vitamin D with it. Um, vitamin E. Most commercial feeds are running around 15 international units. You've heard me say this before. I really want you above 50. If you closer, you get to a hundred, the healthier your birds are going to be. Okay. So that's, you know, when you're out there looking for something to add to the feed, these are the top ingredients, vitamin A, vitamin D, vitamin E. Right. Then we start getting into the amino acids and, you know, Rip and I talked before the show. It's not about the protein number. Don't get all tangled up about the crude protein. Okay. It's more important to get the amino acids and by law in the United States, a proper poultry feed tag has to include lysine and methionine. Okay. That's the legal labeling requirement. However, people send me lots and lots of tags and they don't have lysine and methionine yet i read the ingredients and they've added them to the feed but they're not guaranteeing the label so if you can try and ask gently if they can tell you what those are um you know look old feed mill people or farm store managers they don't like getting cornered just like anybody else so just be real careful uh, you're asking the questions, plead with them like, Hey, you know, I'm raising some breeding flock here. I need to have a little bit higher nutrient levels before I start adding. Is there any chance you can work with me on what are the levels of lysine and methionine? So I know what I need to add and how to add it. Right. So go in gently. Don't be confrontational because you will get nowhere. He will show you the door. Right. So lysine levels, I'd like to see you for sure above 1%. 1.2 is a little bit better. Methionine levels above 0.45 for sure. If you can get closer to 0.5, you're going to be happier. Your amino acids are what are the key building blocks to your feathers, right? Now, many of you have fed higher protein and you've seen the response of feeding higher protein gives you better feathers. <clears throat> That's true. And here's the reason why. 
a molecule of protein is made from three or more amino acids. So your amino acids are your building blocks to every protein. Now, for the last hundred years, they figured out that methionine is the first limiting amino acid for poultry. Okay. So when it's deficient, egg size isn't right. Feathers aren't right. Health of the bird isn't right. Nothing really functions right. Well, okay. Where do you get methionine? Now look, soybean meal and plant proteins are typically very, very rich in lysine. So it's not often that you have to add it, uh, unless there's a bunch of byproducts in the feed. <clears throat> so things you want to consider if you're looking for a protein supplement, some of the better ones you've heard me say before, I'm a fan of fish meal. All right. It's in this feed formula that I have off to the side, which is a hundred pound feed formula. So fish meal has great methionine levels, methionine in relationship to lysine. So it's higher in its relationship or ratio. The methionine is higher than lysine, but it is one of the highest available methionines. If you can't get a good fish meal, consider like insect meals, whether it's dried black soldier fly, whether it's dried mealworms, dried crickets, those are generally a good clean option. You need to be careful, figure out where your mealworms are coming from. I didn't realize this until about a year ago that close to 80% of the mealworms are being shipped in from China. Okay. And we have no idea what they're feeding their mealworms to raise them. So if you can try and find domestic mealworms, look, they feed crickets and mealworms, chicken feed. So, you know, it's fairly safe for the most part without insecticides and chemicals. All right. <clears throat> so once you get to your amino acids, you know, then you want to focus somewhat on your trace minerals. You want to have good levels of trace minerals. And the reason is. Manganese, for instance, is going to give you a much deeper, richer black. So if you have a bird that has black feathering in it, you're going to want to make sure that your manganese levels are, are adequate. In fact, these levels at 97 are just bare minimum adequate for a black bird. You probably should be running closer to 150 parts per million. Birds with red in them, you're going to want to make sure that your iron level is adequate, depending on where you live, what's in the water, what's in the soil you know, on what's in the feed. So your iron is going to translate over into your reds, um, pretty significantly. <clears throat> uh, copper is going to support a lot of this as well. You know, in general colors, uh, copper is blue by nature. When you look at copper sulfate, for instance, it's going to be blue, but as it goes in and combines with the iron and the manganese, it's going to help with some of those unique colored birds. So. Make sure your trace mineral levels are where they need to be. You know, the feed formula is off to the side. It's just a guideline right now. <laughs> you know, two weeks ago, I posted the molt ration. It's more of an educational piece. You know, you're welcome to go use it. This is public information. You don't have to ask my permission. You can take this wherever you want to and try and duplicate it. But it, it's more important to hit these numbers on the nutrient specs than it is to worry about those ingredients. Thanks for listening, and we hope you enjoyed this podcast episode. Be sure to listen next week when Mandolin Royal, John Gunnerman, and myself share how to find your poultry group. 
So until then, be sure and keep your birds happy, healthy, and productive. Bye-bye.